Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Cesar Koza, a.k.a. Snamu. And today I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking to Dr. Yomi Papadunde. Yomi's uh, professional career spans from project management to property management and architecture, both locally and overseas. He uh, comes from Nigeria. He studied there and then he went um, to Singapore, spent like 10 years i think spent 10 years in singapore there working and studying there and uh came back to south africa and he's been working as a senior lecturer at wits university that's when i first met him so he's currently uh doing a research paper based on the fourth industrial revolution and how it is going to affect um our current world and our current uh economy uh, our current practices as well in the built environment. So I had the opportunity of sitting down with him and we had a fire conversation talking about all things tech from AI to new technology to BIM to methods in which um, it's going to help and maybe also prove to be de- uh, detrimental in uh, certain practices in certain arenas. So a beautiful conversation, a very insightful one. Um, very smart, very smart, and very intelligent, intelligent gentleman. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Sit back, relax, open up a bottle of Hennessy if you got, and yeah, just listen to the back and forth, man. Let's do it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Back and Forth Podcast. This is me, your host with the most, Cesar Koza, a.k.a. Snamu. And today, I have quite an interesting guest. Fascinating guest, my uh, lecturer from my time in university, Dr. Alumayomi Babatunde. What's happening, sir? Hello, good afternoon, everyone. It's nice to meet you. E-meet you, as they would say. Yeah, Yomi is my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got a lot of questions. Okay, let's start. Lots and lots of questions. <laughs> yeah, but back and forth podcast is more about the journey. So it's um uh, the theme of the show is a journey. So where you come from, where you've been, how you've got to where you are, and what's the next step. So if you can just for all of our listeners, uh, just uh, give a brief background of yourself. Okay, uh, my name is Yomi. I'm from Nigeria. Uh, I studied architecture up till 2004. Then I decided I wanted something new. So I went into property management for a while. Then after that, I decided I would like to try project management. Then I found myself in Singapore for like uh, nine, 10 years, where I did my master's and my PhD. And uh, that was when I had the uh, first glimpse of what you call uh, or what everybody now knows as a technological revolution mm-hmm. because that exposed me to a lot of technology at least compared to where I was coming from. So 2014, I found myself at Vich University as a lecturer and uh, from there on, it's been a lot of uh, revolution both in the academic space and the industry. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's me, that's what I do. And uh, just like Sisway too, I also... I do a lot of uh, physical exercise at the gym. Of course, I can't be lazy sometimes. <laughs> you need to strike yeah. a balance, so that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. But um, from your time in Singapore, what, what's the one thing that 
you would say is completely different to what we have here in South Africa and then Africa in general? Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, uh, when you are, when you've always been around technology, you don't necessarily see it as a revolution. To you, mm. it's, it's the way of life. You know? Yeah. So in Singapore, it's, it's just the way of life. You know, uh, I think as of, as of 2006, I had my first experience of uh, a driverless train, you know. So yeah. from one station to another, there wasn't any driver in it. And uh, yeah, that was the first. But for me, I didn't think of it as something unusual back then. I was just like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Until recently now, when people start talking about, uh, of course, I might be moving a bit faster, when people started talking about artificial intelligence, technological revolution. Then, and I started thinking back, man, I experienced this a while back. Yeah. But I didn't really see it yeah. as something out of the ordinary then. So I think for them there, it's just it's just the norm. You know, you, you see kids playing with uh, smart devices, you know, playing with uh, smartphones mm. uh, back then. And, you know, for me, it was that, that, that side was quite, quite new to me. So then when I moved to South Africa, I want South Africa is not that backward, at least compared to other African countries, in, yeah. my, in my opinion. Mm. So when I moved down here, I was just surprised. Like uh, there are some things that I experienced, like 2006, 2007, that is just being brought yeah, here. Yeah, like, it's been brought in. 2018, yeah. 2017, mm. and people were raving about it. I was just like, mm. hey, man, I saw this long time ago. <laughs> but I, I think that that's our continent in general. We we very much behind what's happening elsewhere in the world but um as you, you just mentioned how technology is um something that we take for granted or not that we take it for granted but we don't usually see how amazing it is mm-hmm. something like the internet i mean i was actually thinking about this the other day I, I was like how on earth am i listening to a podcast that's coming from that was recorded in the u.s it's coming from the bloody air um, I'm using wireless earphones. They're playing through my, my playing through Bluetooth, and I'm listening to it. And I'm just like chilling on my phone, talking to someone on the other side of the world. You know, it's to someone who was born in um, pre, I'd say pre-internet age, or even if if we were to take it back to say uh, we could time travel, take it back to the 1800s or something, they would probably think like we were witchcrafting. Mm. or something like because it's coming out of it if we really think about it it's coming out of nowhere mm. there is a system behind it but it's it's truly amazing and i think um especially for us millennials we were born into it so it's just the norm it's just the norm to be talking with someone from the other side of the world you know what i mean yeah, yeah. but uh, south africa is it is experiencing a change um, when we are talking about technology, but I, th- I still think we are very much dependent on labor-intensive work. Um, so how do you see it going about, for someone who's in the built environment, exactly how do you see it going about or formulating with the use of AI and new technology methods? Okay, uh, thanks. Uh, I think you, you touched on uh, a profound uh aspect just now you, you spoke about uh, the millennials you no know, mm. and you spoke about uh, the South Africa is also to be honest South Africa is embracing technology like I said at least at a much faster 
pace than most other African countries. So, in my opinion, technology is create a level a level playing field for everybody. Like yes. you said, it's possible yes. for you now to 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 converse or discuss with someone from wherever it is in mm. the world. It's possible for you to assess uh, content from all over the world, just almost in real time. Yeah. Like this podcast, once it's done, you post it online. It's available to everybody. To that, everyone, yeah. That is the same. Is the same pace now that we assess uh, information opportunities. That that's one thing. Another part to hit is this: uh, whether you are in the developed or you are the in the developing country. If you are a millennial, some things are readily available to you. Millennials are, are born with this technology around them. I see mm-hmm. kids now playing with a tablet. You know, I see kids now moving from one part of the tablet to another. My my colleague has a boy that can instruct Siri to to download an app for for him on the on the phone. So that's the kind of uh, things that are happening now. So back to the construction industry or the built environment. What that means is this. I always say it. It creates. A level playing ground for every construction professionals the world over. Mm-hmm. People are talking about the same uh, innovation in construction. They are talking about uh, drones. They are talking about robotics. They are talking about three D printing. They are talking about you know name it. They are talking about advanced manufacturing. So those are the kind of things that are readily available to everybody now. So. It, it, it has made it possible for you to compete wherever it is you find yourself robotics will always be robotics wherever it is you find yourself so and the other aside from the personal level advantage the other advantage that it creates on a much more um, macro level is uh, the speed at which construction projects are being undertaken now so it's easier for us now to do to 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 come to to complete massive or mega projects in less time than it would take back then, and it's also possible for us to do it with minimal conflicts now because some things can be preempted, some things can be modeled even before you you do the actual construction and people can comment to say okay no that wasn't what I was looking for why don't you move things around and uh, in the context of I'm not really an advocate of BIM but uh, you know. BIM has its own advantages, especially when it comes to clash detection, mm-hmm. which is another thing that people like. Those things have been made possible because of advanced technology. It's been made possible because of technological revolution. It's been made possible because... And technolo- technological revolution has two parts, which is what we get to shortly, I believe, especially when you're talking about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is about the marriage or the merging of man and technology. So it's about how does technology enable you as a person to do things at a much more faster rate Mm. compared to how you are doing it currently. You said something the other time about South Africa is still very labor intensive. And that's one of the benefits of AI is to see how can technology artificially augment some of the uh, labor-intensive part of what we do in construction projects. So for me, I see, I see AI, I see technological revolution as a good thing for us, both in the construction industry, at the human level, and like I say, it creates a level playing ground for everybody. Mm. Yeah. Do you see it um, 
occurring anytime soon. Uh, especially, uh, I was with um, Esan. No, Esan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was sp- uh, speaking to him a couple of months back and he works or is a consultant for this company called, um, what's its name? Sasu. They're working with Sasu. I don't, I don't, I forgot the name of the company, but he was, um, he's a big advocate for PIM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a huge advocate for that. So, the, he said he's, they're working with uh, quite a number of uh, companies here in South Africa using BIM, BIM engineering. What, what's your take on that? Do you think as a nation or as a continent in itself, we have reached the point where we can say, okay, now we can implement such practices? Yes, uh, the, the time has come. You know, whether we like it or not, it is yeah, all around us. Definitely. Technology is all around us. You are either, what, there are two schools of thought. You, know? you are either an advocate of technology that makes you what we call technophile. Mm. And there are those other schools of thought that they are quite skeptical about uh, or they dread what technology is all about. Those are the technophobes. Mm-hmm. So you are either a technophile or a technophobe. So for me, my take is this. Technology is all around us. It's, it, it's here to stay. Whether you like it or not, it's all around you. You are consuming it one way or the other. The only thing you, we now need to do is to start making a conscious effort about the opportunities that this technology provides to us and how can we use it at the individual level, at the professional level, wherever it is that you find yourself. Come back to artificial intelligence. When you talk about people doing uh, that beam is here to stay in South. Yes, it is here to stay in South Africa. But I always say this: you know, the the uh, the 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 mind revolution precedes the technology revolution. Mm. You know, it starts mm. from the mind. You know, it, it's like beam is there. All this technology, they are there, but they they are like uh, they are listening to the instruction being yes. provided by people. So narrow, narrow AI. Yeah, that, that that's just exactly what it is, and it's like when we say artificial intelligence, you no, know, it, it goes back to this. Let's let's break it down because one of the things that I've realized is this: you no, know, the people t- they talk about all these big terms, big terminology, and they make it scary to people. Let's break it down. You know, when you say artificial intelligence, artificial it, itself means created by human beings. Mm-hmm developed mm-hmm. or created by human beings as against occurring naturally that is artificial right. so when you say intelligence intelligence is your ability to acquire and then apply skills and knowledge yeah so if you put the two together now you put your artificial and your intelligence together it's just like the the, the age we have right now is the age where technology is enabling us in what we do we are trying to pass on the way we reason, for example, when you say someone is intelligent, someone is intelligent because of the thought processes that go in the mm. mind of that person. So mm. what we do with artificial intelligence is to see, can we replicate the thought processes in human beings' mind in a computer? So and you have to go through the same process like you would go. If you want to learn how, it's like, it's like training a dog. You know, there's something we call, uh, they call it, reinforcement uh, learning. It's like when you are training a dog to sit down. You say, sit down. It takes a while for the dog to actually mm-hmm. understand this is what you want it to do. It's the same thing with machine. We constantly train them 
to 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 engage in the thought processes that we go yeah. through. So yeah. over time, it becomes in, ingrained in them, becomes second nature to them, and that's why you say artificial intelligence. So when when you talk about technology, technology is here to stay. It's like now it's possible for you to do online shopping, you know, and it's possible for you now to you know, gone are those days that uh, you need you need password now to, of course some people still use password to assess some things but now it's just more like biometric biometrics it's yeah. just like your thumb printing and then yeah. it recognizes and then it's the same thing with facial recognition you know mm. in, in china now there's this school that uh, uh when 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 the kids come to school and when they are leaving uh, there's this facial detection technology that automatically sends messages to their parents to let them know your kids are already out of the campus mm. so it's like you know those are things that initially people were doing. Ah, you know, you know, you had the security guys sitting, mm. and who was coming in, who was going out, and then making record of it. Mm. So that's mm. that's people being intelligent. But what they've done now is to replicate that intelligence in the machine. Yeah. So yeah. and so w- when we talk about uh, uh, technology now, look at it as how can it enable you to do what you are doing currently better. So in the case of the uh, of the facial recognition, what it does is this, so once it senses uh, the students going in or coming out, it just automatically send messages to the to the smartphones of their yeah. parents to let them know your kids are out of this place. So mm. it's the kind of intelligence that we are talking about now. So when you now come to BIM in the context of South Africa, it's uh, whether you like it or not, it's here to stay. But like I said, it's about the revolution of the mind first before you go to the revolution of the of the of the mm. machine. So I rather think people should start to embrace. People should understand what are the processes involved in construction activities that's the problem. before you start to model it into a system. I think that that's the big problem where we understand that uh, BIM and technology mm. it's here to stay, mm. but we still are lacking in the knowledge of the foundations of a particular field mm. when we talk about the built environment and we're talking about handling a project there's so much incompetence um in and around the handling of a project that even by implementing bim it still is going to work to a certain extent but it's always going to hold us back because of the fact that our foundation of lo- of learning the core level of learning is still not at a high level sure. yeah so I think that's that's another problem. But uh, you mentioned um, that um, the facial recognition in in China. I think what technology in itself is doing is it's or AI is it's 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 eliminating non-creative work. So, like uh, your colleague's son, he goes and he asks Siri to download an app for him. It's non-creative. It's just p- pattern recognition. It's done like that. A robot can't do what we are doing here, mm-hmm. right? So it's so that that's a good thing I see because then it's as it's replacing non-creative work. So you can have a robot working as a cashier. You can have a robot working at your petrol station, whatever. So that's creating more leverage for people now to learn and work more in the creative side of business. So I think I was reading a book. Um, he's um, an investor and entrepreneur. His name is Navar Ravikant, right? And he says the most, one of the most important things for anyone now today to learn and to try and understand is how to code. If you learn how to code, 
then you're able to create leverage and you're able to create things to work for you. Back in the day, it was leverage was labor. So you have a company and you have people working for you, people working under you. Sure. You don't have to do that now. Or it's not, it's not essential for you to do or to have leverage like that. Because if you learn how to code and if you learn how to create algorithm, algorithms for a pro, computer program or whatever, they now can work for you. So a simple, something like a podcast, if I learn how to manipulate the field of podcasting, I learn exactly what happens around podcasting, what are the steps, what are, what are the algorithms that make a podcast successful. All I have to do is record a podcast and then I can post it. And then it works for me, the system works for me. So that's the most, I think, what technology is allowing us to do. But then there are some people that are also looking at it from a, a pessimist, a pessimistic view, where it's quite clear that as as I mentioned, it's going to eliminate creative work, non-creative work. I mean, so what happens to jobs? What happens to employment? What do you think on on that topic? Okay, yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. And uh, before I answer that, let me quickly touch on something you you, you discussed. You discussed about uh, coding and mm-hmm. then algorithm. So which goes back to the point that uh, when you code, you are coding some learned patterns. That, okay, yeah, this is how I undertake th- this process. For example, this is how you 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 undertake uh, a podcast activity. Mm-hmm. Step one, step two, step three, whatever it is. So. So you now code those mm. steps. Mm. Uh, so once you code it, like you said, there's this algorithm. Mm. So algorithm is just uh, it's just the the, the, the the system that guides a uh, uh, process that, that that guides a particular process yeah. in, in, in something. So yeah. so what that means is this: for you to be able to code, so that there's an an underlining algorithm, to you must understand the processes first. That's the most important thing. So that which now goes back to the question you asked me about. Uh, uh, now we are trying to eliminate the non-creative uh, mm. task. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, it's not. It's not to totally eliminate the non-creative task. To be honest, it's, it's more about we are trying to reduce the labor intensivity of this non-creative task. So. Whether we like it or not, there will still be people behind the robot. There will still be people, like you said, there will still be people doing the, the coding itself. So, uh, is 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 the 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 fear is not, and I, and I'm saying this to to the people that dread uh, dread uh, technology as if technology is here to mm. take their jobs. Technology is not here to take your jobs in any way. Forget about that. I rather they start thinking of how can they work much more productively with the technology that is available to them now. Huber, for example, Huber has been able to leverage on the GPS system. Mm. And after Huber came, there were a couple of other businesses that sprung up from just mm. Huber being in place. Yeah, now you have Huber Hits. So these are people that thought about, okay, there's this technology now. How can I leverage on this technology to do what I need to do? So. Some people would have felt, okay, I've lost my job as a taxi driver because now there's Uber around. No, you should rather think about, or in the worst case scenario, think about how can you replicate the 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 the, the top processes yeah. of the Uber technology yes. in your home business. Which, which is what I was saying that it 
it sort of in a way removes or min- minimizes non-creative work yeah. and then you have more space for you to think of creative work so a taxi driver might say okay i've lost my way of being a taxi driver mm-hmm. but hey what if i then create an app sure. that works in a similar way so i'm an i'm an advocate <laughs> i'm a i'm a definitely, big definitely. big advocate for 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 ai yeah so but then on that on that point then so so for me to to answer your question much more specifically mm-hmm. so for those that uh, are more like pessimists our hodge them is not don't see it of course which goes back to another concept the concept is what we call uh, innovation overload you know it's like people that dread it is because there's so much available to them now that they don't know where do I start hmm. it's like no just just try to google something within 10 seconds there are a couple of options available to you and if you are not careful you hand you hand up somewhere completely different from what you mm. wanted to do. So mm. so 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 because of this information overload now, and because of the amount of mental task required or the cognitive load required for us to process the amount of information available to us now, that is why we need AI. AI takes away that burden from you. It's like it's like AI, what AI does, which is artificial intelligence, what it does is this. It just understands your pattern. And yeah. based on your pattern, it makes ready, it makes some options readily available to you. If you watched uh, a movie on Netflix today, maybe the movie was by, let's say, let's say the movie is by Tom Cruise. Don't be surprised if you log in again, you have a couple of options from Tom Cruise. Because the system automatically recognizes something about it that okay yeah maybe this this viewer loves movie from tom cruise so yeah. it helps you it gives you some options for you to now select from it's the same thing when you do online shopping if you sh- if you if you if you booked a flight to the us today if you logged in tomorrow there'll be a couple of options on flight cheap flights going to the us it's because it wants to free your mind from all this like you said, mm. non-creative task for you to do something much more intelligent. So that that that's how it works. And when when you when you talk about the creative and the non-creative, people should say it that way. So the non-creative part is the one that's actually in, impacting on their productive time. So they should free up space from the non-creative task and start leveraging on artificial intelligence. Yeah, a lot of pessimists are against that. Mm. That whole when you just say um, it it up your data mm. and pattern recognition and then they feel as if someone is spying on them which which is i mean which is which is in a way is true if i don't know if you know edward uh, snowden yeah. yeah so and exactly what he stated in in um before he left uh america for exile but um so they I think that's their view on technology. Um, they say that that outweighs the positives that come with it because it's tracking your movements, it's tracking your data, it's, it's doing everything. I mean, you're with your phone all the time. You're carrying your phone all the time. It's constantly in your hand or in your pocket. So by doing that, they'll always look at it and say, well, no, I don't like the fact that, you know, my camera screen on my laptop, someone could be looking through it and someone could be tracking um, whatever I'm doing. And I always, to me, I, I simplify it by saying, of, well, I mean, you can't run away with it. It's technology. It's yeah, here. Yeah. They are tracking your movements, but 
there's so many people in the world they most probably don't care what you're doing mm. you know what i mean i mean the whole concept of doing this by the cia introduced uh, this program um about uh your webcams tracking your movements there because they really just wanted to um minimize the potential um terrorist attacks mm. so that's that was the goal but obviously now it's gone out the window and now they're doing it for their own selfish gains but it, i mean can you really run away from it the only way would be to throw away your phone and live in a mountain <laughs> yeah that's uh that's uh i know that you know the the the, the irony of that is this you no know, uh monitoring your pattern on your phone is just one of the many ways people can monitor your pattern now if you've got any social, if you have a social media presence, there's nothing secret about you. Yeah. There's nothing private about mm. you. So if I Google, people should just try to go, every now and then Google their name and see what comes up. You know, once you Google your name, you appear based on your digital footprint. Mm. Uh, you, you're on LinkedIn, you have Facebook, you know, you're on Twitter. You've got all this social media presence. It's a combination of this that actually gives them the true picture. Mm -hmm. of your pattern it's not just based on one thing mm. so even if you get rid of your smartphone okay no i don't want a smartphone because uh, there's no privacy if you have any social media presence it's easier for people to detect you or to monitor yeah. your pattern and if you are not on facebook you don't have any social media presence you don't have any smartphone you sure have friends that have got this presence you ah, take selfies together yeah. once you take selfies together they post it on their platform mm. there's facial recognition now people can know who you are so so the, the way it works is more than what people think and that that talks about uh, the real issue about uh, uh about technological revolution about technology as, as a whole is, is the ethics side of things for example where do you draw the line between privacy where do you draw the line between like you said uh, infringing on people's privacy and those are some areas of concern now and that's why advocates of technology they, they argue now that we should move beyond uh technology taking away our jobs and things like that we should concentrate on the much more profound issues like how do we deal with uh, cyber security how do we deal with uh, uh, infringement of privacy those are mm. things that we should rather start focusing on because technology is here to stay if you've got a smartphone You've got a you, you bank with you, you of course you have a bank account you, you have some insurance policy so there are ways they monitor you so just forget about it you can't run away from that one so they, yeah. what i also like to advise you no know, another thing people can now do or which which i also do is to be mindful of your digital presence for example uh, how do you portray yourself online? Mm. Uh, so when people Google you, what do they see? You no, know, we, we live in a world now that if I received an email from someone, the first thing I do is I Google that person. Now, who is this person? I want to put a face to this person. I'm just like, uh, okay, this is what this person likes. This, are, you know, and even uh, human resource managers, recruitment agents, they use it now. You know, once you submit an application, they just let's see what's, what's this applicant, what has he, he or she been up to. So th there's a way, and in a, in a way, it, it it helps their job. That's the artificial intelligence part of it. Otherwise, they would have they would have had to hire hire someone to go and do background check. Mm. It's easier to do background mm. check online now. Yeah. So that so th there are pros and cons. Nonetheless, but I'd rather that we start looking into how do we deal with. Uh, cyber security 
uh, there's this company, I'm not going to mention the name recently, a big company in South Africa that they've just hacked into the system. So that's the world we live in now. And uh, we talks to the other part of technology. Let me tell you, uh, technology itself, there's nothing harmful about technology. What is harmful about technology is the people giving instruction to technology. You know, it's like, it, it depends on what you code. Like we said earlier, once you code something, then after a while, the machine picks up the pattern, it reinforces it as something that can be done, then the machine can do it. I was also reading this morning about, people are still talking about artificial intelligence, people are still talking about intelligence, but there's already, the discussion is moving towards super intelligence now. Super intelligence is where people dread. Is there yeah. going to be a time where there are more robots than human beings? And what about if the robots decide to get rid of us? Uh, no, it's not going to happen in our lifetime. <laughs> it's not going to happen in our lifetime because, as I mentioned, super intelligence, that is, again, what we we are living in, a, in an era where we are surrounded by narrow AI. Mm -hmm. So it's really just pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. right, I mean, uh, I was reading uh, actually yesterday about this um, AI that was able to defeat a champion at a chess game. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there was a, a bit of fear there. But again, if you really look at the core elements of it, it's just really pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. Right. So as soon as AI is able to code, so if a robot is able to code, that's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. But then it, in, it, it requires that robot to be creative. Yeah. You know, it requires that robot in a way to have emotion and i don't i don't see i don't see there was a movie by will smith i robot I robots. yeah i, robot. yeah, I, I don't i don't see movies. i don't see that happening yeah. anytime soon yeah. anytime soon i think uh, if it does happen we'll be long dead so we'll be fine <laughs> that's a good point you raised yeah. that's why i said you know all this you know scientists they just come up with uh, names every now and then mm. but if you think back i robot was years back mm. these people have always been already been predicting where we are right now. There were some people, they were far ahead. Even all this technological revolution, AI, AI is just new in name now, but the, the principle dates back in time. 1946, so when, I think. They went, yeah, when they were actually trained, when they wanted to create the first computer itself, because yeah. the idea is to, how can we model the human brain? Mm. That was why. And because now, what makes AI unique now is this, because it's the fourth industrial revolution you know the first industrial revolution was basically about uh, uh, machine uh, it, it a machine revolution mm. then there was uh, all machine production the second one uh, was about mass production mm. the third industrial revolution uh, has been about uh, digital revolution yes what makes the fourth industrial revolution unique is this first it leverages on the third industrial revolution, which mm. is the digital revolution. But most importantly, what makes the fourth industrial revolution unique is the speed at which ideas yeah. and technology yeah. is spreading. It's rapid, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's 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 nobody has seen this before. Nobody predicted it. So it's because of the speed. That's what makes it unique. Now, so back to the point on, if you watch, you know, I never used I never I, I never used to like uh, uh, sci-fi movies. But since I'm, I'm getting clued up about this mm. technology, and I'm just like, maybe I should go back in time. They they have <laughs> they, they were making these um, 
themes or these yes. concepts long way yes. before. So I was like, maybe, yeah. maybe I should go back and try to understand what were they predicting there. You know, it, 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 and that's why I said, you know, this technology revolution starts from the mind. Mm. I remember, as of two thousand, maybe two thousand, two thousand, two thousand and one, two thousand and two, I think my first, the first time I actually sat down to use a computer was around be 2000 2000 but then it was it was a mission you know that was when people used to clone computers you know you buy the cpu separately mm -hmm. you buy the monitor separately mm -hmm. the mouse and then it was a mission assembling computer then then this code goes where this one goes where so it was a mission but you know i just i lived through i endured those those times but things changed for me and i started embracing technology when Apple came into being you know, with 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 uh, with help uh, the the Mac, mm. Mac is just plug and use. You don't need to assemble anything. It's pre-assembled. Just plug it, start to use it. So, mm. I then I didn't have to bother about all those menial tasks of assembling a computer. I started focusing on how do I use computer much more productively and creatively. And since then, it's been it's just been one thing leading to another. So on that point of uh. Artificial intelligence is not it's not new. It's been there all the while. It's just that it's just spreading at a much more faster pace yeah. now. And back to the other thing you raised on, um, we shouldn't dread uh, robots taking over us. Forget that one's never going to happen. Like you say, mm -hmm. it's never going to happen. Or it takes. It, it not that it's never gonna happen. It may, but yeah, it's, it's, it will it, be long gone. It's going to take someone to pull in that programming for yeah. it to happen. And yeah. that might be if they really, really wanted to eliminate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so, like uh, that movie, Terminator. Yeah, Terminator. Yeah. So it's like you, and that's another concern around AI is about uh, would the minority be disadvantaged? What do you mean by that? I know, it's like uh, there are some people that don't even have a access to smartphones oh, yeah, now. Yeah. And there are some yeah. people that, uh, you know, and whatever it is you are talking about now, it's just a replication of reality. Mm. It's like, uh, I don't want to go into some discussion, no, but uh, there will still be racial segregation, whatever it is. Yeah. The, 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 if, if it ever comes to that time that uh, the robot will still be able to recognize this is a black race, this is a white race. So it's like, it's because of what has been coded into mm. the system. Mm. It's because of the algorithm. And you'll be, eventually you'll be able to make out race. That yeah. Be, yeah, this is an African, this is a Zulu. No, so they'll be able to do that. It's Definitely. because of what has been coded. So yeah. that goes to the point that it is, it is so we, the, the responsibility lies on people now to be more ethical about uh, what kind of instruction are we giving to all these and then lastly, I spoke about, there was another, I read about it this morning, you know, they've tried the first um, um, driverless uh, mm. cars yeah. in the U.S. Self-driving cars, and, yeah. uh, so, and I heard out of, uh, I'm not sure of the source now, there's been like 30 accidents. Mm. Uber uh, got in trouble for that. Yeah. yeah. Only one was actually attributable to the car itself. So mm -hmm. the 29 other incidences were a third party in impact, you know, something like So even if we live in a world now where it's possible to have driverless cars, there will still be some nuts on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so, so whatever it is, as we are thinking about it, so until we get to that point that it's easier to, that's why and it goes back to the point of uh, revolution of the mind first. You know, it's like, even if you have everything digitalized, 
what about all this not on the road and that's mm. those are the people we should fear now yeah yeah you, you can't run away from that <laughs> but it's i think as i mentioned that learning or the skill of coding is very important just understanding it or knowing that it's there i think it's it's very important considering the age that we live in now and where we're going as uh, mankind so i think that's that's quite important so i think it all just stems down to education i think the educational system there needs to be some configurations there whereby some way or somehow we need to implement methods on how to teach students and how to incorporate technology um, into a curriculum you know what I mean so instead of we had had research where not research vac work where we went and we had to find a company and work on their site instead of that can't we then maybe think of having maybe a course a weekly course where students are taught on how BIM is going to change the system in South Africa or any type of technology instead of them having to then go and put in their hours because what really is then happening is it's like a cycle where mm. we're not we're not really going to where the world, world is going we're sort of just staying by ourselves and using these patterns and these out of fashion methods of working what do you think on that oh uh, yeah um as far as uh, education is concerned, uh, to be honest, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a gradual change mm. in the curriculum now. Now, people are talking about technology. You know, people are talking about how do we, how do we use technology to enhance learning. Uh, uh, you know, there's this discussion or this debate around should students still need to attend lectures. You know, why can't I just log in from wherever it is and listen to the lecturer? Or why can't lecturers have podcasts? Mm. Why can't you, you know, pre-record your lectures and uh, put it online for for students to 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 assess? Mm. So that's <laughs> one side. Just lazy yeah, students. <laughs> so, so that's that's one side to it, you know. And that goes back to the point that even if you pre-record your lectures and put it online, or you give students the flexibility of. Uh, uh, catching you uh, through a, a, a what do they call it? Um, uh, there's this uh, maybe I'm not sure. It, it's not Skype. There's there's another name for it that escaped me now. So it's possible to log into your lecture real time and then listen to you. There are two sides to it. One, those that are really interested in learning will capitalize on that. Yeah that it becomes, they use it to augment their reality. So that's where your hey heart comes, you know. When you talk of, uh, talk of artificial intelligence, you also talk about augmented reality. So pe- there will be candidates that's, that use it as a leverage. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So it becomes an additional uh, feature for them instead of uh, should I go to class or should I stay away from class? That's not the decision they mm. were making. The decision was, okay, how can I use this podcast to enhance my learning? That's one part to it. Then the other part to your question where you asked uh, uh, what about training candidates on BIM and all this mm. technology. Uh, I'm a strong advocate of that on one condition, that mm. they've learned the 
basics. basics. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's like once you go into that part, it's like a coding. It's like garbage in, garbage out. So you can only instruct the system based on what you know. Mm. So it's more like you are you are able to recall what you've learned and then code it into the system. That's how it works. So so I'll rather there's, 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 there's a space for, 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 for all this technology to be incorporated into the curriculum. But most importantly, it's about let's make sure that the students have the core knowledge first. Once you have the core knowledge, it makes life easier when mm. they get to such platform. And another thing, another argument that I, I have is this. Candidates buy, they buy the best of smart devices now. And nobody trains them how to use it. Yeah. They figure it out. Yeah. But once it comes to things of education, they push it back to the academics that somebody mm. needs to teach them. Mm. So there are lots of tutorials online, YouTube, whatever it is. People will tell you exactly what you need to do. I still watch YouTube myself. I'm an academic. I, also, I, I go on YouTube and I listen to some other. I learn, I learn from everybody. Mm. I learn from everybody myself. Okay, how oh, this is how it's been done. So for me, there's that, there's that element that people should also take responsibility. You want to learn. Yeah. It's available. No, we live, we live in a in a state in an age of information overload. Mm. Everything is out there for you. You know. So just do do a little bit on your part so that when you come into the classroom, we don't start with the basics. The classroom. The way I see the classroom now is more like a. The classroom is where you refine knowledge. It's not a place where you gain knowledge. Yes, you yeah. gain the knowledge before you come into the classroom. Yeah. The classroom is more like a, it's more like a, it's more like trading stocks now. You know that. Mm. Like, so you you can discuss with your lecturer. Okay, I read in a book that uh, this this this. What's your take on it? Mm. And then the lecturer will be able to to respond because now the lecturer has sensed in the candidate okay yeah you at least know the basis now let's take it from here so and another thing is like uh, uh academics also need to embrace this space you know they also need to embrace the space of technology and uh it's uh not only academics uh even the accreditation bodies need to embrace it the government needs to provide the necessary support funding mm. for this to for this to happen and that because there's everybody stands to gain from it if we free up unnecessary lecture time, mm. then we can concentrate on what is really, really important. Yeah. And you, you attest to it. You know, I'm not the type that uh, if I have 15 weeks to lecture, you probably see me maybe seven times out of 15 mm. weeks because mm. I believe you should be able to at least have some space to withdraw. You know, it, it, the, the, the university space now is provides you an opportunity to learn multiple skills. Nothing stops you from going to computer science and picking up a course there. Nothing stops you from going to computer engineering, picking up a course from there. Nothing stops you from picking up a course on programming. So that's where you start to take initiative yourself and then it's easier for you to... Because the real life out there is not about what you were taught. It's yeah. about what you learned afterwards. That's that's an, a valid point because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot since leaving Varsity because... um. As a quote, I know it says that specialization is for insects. So it's very important that people understand when you are at a university level, mm. you try and pick up as many skills as 
you possibly can. I don't know if you know a gentleman called Scott Adams. Oh, yeah. yeah. He has this um, released uh, like a, it's a blog. It's a blog. That's what you call it. Steps to being successful. He says, it's very difficult to be the best at one thing. Mm. So, if, give you a prime example. If you want to be the fastest person in the world, it's very difficult to beat Usain Bolt's 9.58. But you don't have to be the best at that particular thing. You can be in the top 10, 15% at four or five different skill sets. When you combine those, you become the best. If I look at Donald Trump, Donald Trump is not the best uh, realtor. He's not the best investor. He's not the best politician. He's not the best public speaker. But he's very good at those. And that combination of his skills has then enabled him to be at a position that he is already in right now. So I think, yeah, it's 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 sad because we only realize this when we leave. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's very important to uh, to understand that you you can pick up a lot of skill sets. You can pick up a lot of skill sets, and by combining them, you are automatically you almost. Um, what they call this in economics um, I don't know but yeah, you almost like a good a well demanded good okay. yeah okay. so yeah but anyways the, the, the utility value just yeah so yeah utility so value. yeah you said something about uh, being the best you know I was also watching a YouTube video yesterday you know and uh, it's um, in the entertainment industry you know so uh, the, the, there's this uh, emerging or up, upcoming artist and it, it says mm-hmm. something about being the best, you know. Everybody professes that they are the best, they are the best, they are the best, they are the best. And it, it broke down, it broke down his own definition of being the best in mm. a way that even I, I had to give him, I just had to give it to him that, yeah, this is, this yeah. is profound. You know, he said, there's a difference between being the best and being uh, uh, being the most popular. Mm. He said, it's possible you are the best, but you are not the most popular. He said, being the best is you being able to surpass or go beyond your limitation every day. You wake up, you're like, okay, where did I stop yesterday? Okay, I did 10 reps, today I'm going to do 15, 15 reps. So you are being the best at what you do. You might not necessarily be the most popular there. So we shouldn't confuse being the most popular with being the best. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, I'm still learning myself. I've, I've, I've not stopped learning. Uh, uh, so it's, for me, it's, 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 and in the world that we live in now, technology has made it possible. It has created a level playing field for everybody. So it has created that field for everybody now. We need to start tapping into it. You live in a world now that you can easily get information. You can easily get knowledge. And in the world that we live in now, knowledge is the new currency. Definitely. Knowledge is the new currency. People don't people don't care but is it but you you the, the more you learn, the more you earn. So it's mm. like if you feel like okay, how do I how do I how do I earn more now? Okay, you learn more. So when you learn more you can earn more. If I, that, that's the way it was. Because you might not necessarily be able to earn more at a single job, but you might be able to earn more by diversifying your options. Yeah. So your work you work maybe you work like uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. They say that's the worst case scenario. 
9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay, yo. after 5 p.m., what do you do? Hit the gym, you know, do some exercise, spend time with the family. Like, uh, there's this guy, uh, David, I think David Grogan or something like that. Mm. Is this uh, Goggins? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. U.S. Uh, Navy yeah. SEAL, you know, that. Yeah. You know he, he, he put it in a very brutal way. He said, you know, he said, you know, after your office, then you spend time with your family, whatever it is. Then he said, he said, I'm not sure if I got the timing correct, but he said, he said something like, uh, maybe like, Nine, maybe like uh, 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning is enough time for you to do damage. Mm. And the, the damage is referring to us, that that's when you actually get into your side also, you know, do some other things to, to get to, to make the best of it. And with technology now, you don't even need a physical office. Neither. All you need is an online presence. You know, it's like you don't need a physical office. This, we, are, we are having this now. We have this, not an office. Yeah. No, it's, it's possible yeah. to, to get that one done. So, on your point, uh, the university will always be there and the university will always remain as a, they call it citadel of learning so it doesn't mean the, the entire knowledge resides within the university itself but the university will give you the basics that you need so it's now up to you from there what do you want to do I've seen candidates graduate and this, they, 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 they are like okay what do I do next now okay I want to go back to university and study for this then you know so that's that's what and you another another way you should look at it is this learning that the university provides to you is not only what people term as learning what people see as learning is going into the classroom and sitting through the lecture to them that's learning Memorizing, learning yeah. learning is also what you do extracurricular activities the kind of friends that you meet you know, you know i've seen people like uh uh facebook you know started from some university mm -hmm. friends mm. you no know, it also depends on how who do you network with and how do you develop your entrepreneurial sites going forward and that that's the way i, I see it. so back to the point is equal opportunity for everybody now with technology just just ask yourself what is it that you can do well now what is it that you are very good at then ask yourself the next question how can technology help me to do mm. this better and how can i then scale it out for the world to see sure yeah Definitely. Yeah. Right, I want to jump into your paper, yeah. your research paper. You, what's 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 the the name, uh, the heading? Ah, uh, it's uh, it's first thing. That's one thing we need to know. Uh, mm -hmm. People claim they know about fourth industrial revolution, artificial intelligence, for whatever mm -hmm. it is now. But to be honest, it's still an emerging phenomenon. So my study is on the exploratory. I was trying to see an uh, exploratory study on the fourth industrial revolution, uh, awareness, you know, uh, and uh, ideal, what are people ideal around the fourth industrial revolution, what are their awareness of the fourth industrial revolution. So it's more exploratory at this stage. Uh, the title is still evolving, okay. so I don't really have a title for it here. You know, sometimes the title uh, organically comes up after you've written the interview then mm. you're like oh, okay yeah this is what i'm speaking to oh, okay yeah so that's it yeah yeah so you know jumping to the internet again um the industrial revolution so it was first the we as human beings were in caveman era stone age we jump into the agrarian era so that's what farming or you know, agriculture. We move into the industrial age now, where it's first one, second one, third one, and then emerging the fourth one. Okay. I think before that, how 
humans functioned were it was um individuals working together so it was an individual brand working with another individual brand to make a certain product so if i give an example if i went hunting and i killed a cow whatever brought it over the meat and you made fire i could join with you i use your fire use my meat we eat we satisfied so i bring my good you bring your good and then when we moved over to the industrial age that sort of changed where now we created almost like a hierarchy where you have a boss and a boss has his vice president and that vice president has his people working under him and then you have the employees so it almost created like this hierarchical way of working i think now in this information age that we uh, that we're in right now it, it is sort of reversing back into that individual way of working where now the the biggest and most successful brands if, if we look around the world despite tech companies and tech gurus or individual brands if i look at kanye west if i look at oprah if i look at um will smith these people are so the individual characters where they have formulated a skill set which cannot be copied which cannot be replicated if will smith were to die today we can't bring another will smith he is you can't replace him i think that's what now the beauty of the internet and what it's enabling people to do is that you if you are able now to create your own brand you create your own skill set and if you're able to then scale it and give it out to the people and create leverage over it you can't be replaced mm. so that's the nice thing i think yeah a positive thing mm. that the internet has brought yes uh, i agree with you on that uh yeah it's uh the internet has given everybody to the opportunity you know to uh to develop their home brand mm. and then market their home brand and that that goes back to the point of uh, people that are uh, technophobes that uh, they, they they worry about the privacy they worry about all those things when it comes to the internet but they should look at the flip side of it because it, it gives you the opportunity to develop your brand mm. put it out there you know how do you want to be remembered what do you want to be known for you know it's like uh, if I google you what do I see you know, mm. so those are things for people to consider to, to now say okay yeah they how do I that that's when they now start making a conscious effort about their digital footprint okay how do i want to be perceived online and uh, of course having said there's the, the 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 real question which 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 goes back to how do you want to measure your life you know that, that's uh professor christensen is from harvard university so how do you want to measure your life is about Despite the way you portray yourself online, who are you really? Mm. You know. So for me, it, it's also about that. You know, don't 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 live a pseudo life online. That uh, but when, when I get to meet you, you are completely different from what I've seen. You know, at the end of the day, things that will outlast you are more like your how genuine are you? Mm. You know, you know there will always be that word of mouth. You know, yeah. you might not be you might not necessarily be able to put so much about you out there, but people will be able to do it for you. That's another another part of it. So, but having said, there's that conscious part that you also that conscious effort on your on our part that uh, how do I want to brand myself online, and uh, I I have some 
I have some online presence, but I'm not, I, I'm not that active online. You know, I just have enough about myself online for people to say, okay, I, should I want to work with you or should I send you an email from, out of the blue? You're just, okay, who is this person? At mm. least there's something for them to see. But beyond that, you, you won't hear anything about me online either for good or for bad i'm just like i just i'm just like just take a back seat in that regard mm. so so it's a decision that i made so mm. I, I, it's not applicable to everybody people should do what, what works for them but uh, I'll, I'll encourage like people like uh, justin bieber was found online you mm. know you know he posted his content how mm. they was found online you know and people and that's that's another beauty with the fourth industrial revolution the fourth industrial revolution is also considering humanity how do we use technology to bring equality? For example, the, the, the underdeveloped nations, how can we take technology to them? How can they leverage on technology? You'll be amazed at how many people actually are into ICT in the, what people call the underdeveloped countries. So they already have the population. So what I'm trying to say is this, while we are using the online presence for branding, and to, to, to make sure that we are irreplaceable. We should also think about how can we use our online presence as an enabling platform hmm. for some other people, you know. How do you, how do some people benefit from you, you know, it's like, uh, I don't want to, to sound religious here, but you know, there's, there's, that, there's always that part that, uh, you know, someone told me that uh, whatever it is, uh, Whatever it is that you, you get, you, you take with you when you are gone. Whatever it is that you give, you leave behind. Yeah. So you can take as much as you want to take, but make sure that you are, at least you leave some things behind. It's always good to have online presence, but use your online presence to help to create a platform. Create yeah. a platform for people. And that is really, really the being irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite important. That's what one of my lifelong goals is to create a school. Mm. So I'm from a rural village. It's uh, down in the Berg, the Trunkersburg. And what happens there, and I think it, it happens in a lot of sections in South Africa and in Africa in general, is where the huge inequality gap is uh, quite, we, we can see it, right, when we come over to the, this side of Joburg and we live in the big life. What happens is a lot of there's a lot of urbanization that occurs and if you are able to leave your rural area or your your Kasi and you come over and you living now in Santin or living in Joburg, you sort of you then forget about where you come from and you and I mean as much as I can say, okay, I mean, that's not right, it, it happens because you, you don't wanna go back there. You want to progressively improve in life and then also improve your family and your next generation. That's what you want to do as a, as a person. Um, one of my lifelong goals is to prevent that from occurring and to stop that cycle whereby now you kids that are living in a rural area, they only have so much. There's like a cap on what they can experience there, what they get educated on. Um, and when that when they've reached that cap, it's almost like a, a feeling world. I'm not good enough, you know. Let me go out and let me open up my own tavern or uh, things like that. They they feel like they're not good enough for the world in itself. So 
a lifelong goal of mine is to open up a school, open up libraries where instead of kids going, they go to school and then they go, they run out and they play and they get up to things that they shouldn't be doing. They have a place where they can go and they can read a book or they can play on a computer. Mm. Uh, Steve Jobs, I think, I don't know if it was Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, uh, one of them said they found their passion because they were introduced to a computer. We don't know if the kids there that have a passion and they can be the next Bill Gates, but yet instead they don't have, you know, a computer or a PC that they can work with. So that's that's a goal of mine. But um, I want to talk more specifically about 3D printing. 3D printing. They've been positive, they've been <laughs> negatives, right? Um, I was reading a paper that a house can be completed in 20 minutes. 20 minutes to an hour so i mean again it's just the, the pace at, at which that is happening it's 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 a positive mm. because here in south africa we cry about creating rdp houses and removing old shacks and if we have a technology such as 3d printing they come in they finish a house boom mm. in 20 minutes right and that also um emphasizes on mass production which is a positive but then there's also a negative because now you have people printing their own guns and their own weapons mm, mm, mm. so what's your, what's your take on on that yeah that's that's an interesting one i know like you said first uh 3d printing goes beyond construction you know the it goes back to the to the manifestation of the fourth industrial revolution itself it's uh it's digital it's physical and it's biological so 3d printing is also used for prosthetics Mm. Now, it's mm-hmm. also used for, you know, to model all kinds of things now, you know, artificial harm, things like that. So there's that side to, to 3D printing that we can't run away from, uh, you know, it's like, because we really, really need it. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's it. But when it comes to house, you know, like we started today by, you know, I'm happy this, this, this is back and forth. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we started today by talking about, uh, I said that, uh, the revolution of the mind, you know, precedes digital yes. revolution. You know, yes. you no, know, just ask anybody when they hear three D printing, what comes to their mind? Mm-hmm. You know, people are already thinking plastic, <laughs> no cardboards. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't. They don't actually see it as it's a it's a house. It's a proper house with yes. the necessary services to make it run. So, people should move away from. You know, there's that phobia around it, and uh, we goes back to another thing. They say they tested another. Uh, uh, driverless uh, 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 cars in the US. There was this pure research, pure research on why are people not buying into the idea of driverless mm. cars, and their their answer was simple: that they don't feel safe in such. They, they needed the presence of the driver there to to give a certainty to them that in case anything goes wrong, there's a backup plan, mm. someone to steer the the, the uh, to to to, yeah, to take control of the steering. So. It goes back to 3D printing. I, I I love it. I've 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 not seen one myself in, in reality. I've seen it online, but I've not walked into one myself, feel it and see what it is. But if it is possible, why not? Because once you have mass production, the 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 the, the in, in economics term is is um uh economies of scale. You know, when you have mass production, oh, economy, yeah. so you talk of yeah. economies of scale. So if it's economies of scale, that means we can, uh, we can build 
you can build at a cheaper rate because it's just about replication. Mm. So it takes away that, and people shouldn't have to fear about I'm going to lose my job. Even if it's going to be done by a machine, people still need to control it. People still need to go and assemble, do the, the actual assembling on site. So the yeah, designing yeah. So so the designing part as well. So it's like so 3D printing is here to say, and I love it. I I, w- I want to see it. Uh, I was reading like was it like three days ago about the biggest uh, student hostel in I think University of Fort Hare, something like that. That they just completed one uh, a phase now. I think it's about uh, 400 million there about, mm. and, and they still have couple more to go. So I was just like. If it were possible to do that uh, using 3D printing, initial the initial cost would be high. Let's face it, but if they use one as a pilot test, it can be replicated across universities at a much more cheaper rate, and it also becomes a real life project for students to see. Okay, this is how you use 3D printing to develop a, yeah. a building. Yeah. So then back to the side of uh, there will always be pros and cons. You know, like I say, it's always the mind, you know, it's always mm. the mind. Some people will see 3D printing as an enabler. Some people will, will think of 3D printing, hmm, how can I use it as a weapon of mass destruction? Mm. It's because of the way their mind works. And yeah. uh, we live in a world now that we, we can't totally control what people think. So there will always be that side. Now, drones are being used now to send mixed eyes. Mm. You know, instead of people actually going there, it's like they do the programming to the projector, it lands at the exact mm. spot so that there will always be positive and the negative side of it that we can't necessarily control and that talks to issues like ethics and cyber security itself. Yeah. yeah yeah true okay so before i end off i think we've been going for an hour now <laughs> um before i end off i have what i call on the spot so mm. I, I just ask you a few questions and then you answer them to the best of your capabilities right okay. yeah so first thing what's the first thing you do when you wake up uh, my alarm goes off 5 a.m. to be honest and uh, once I wake up uh, I read the Bible it's, it's on my phone anyway and then mm. I go down then I read the, uh, I think within the past for the past four months now I've made it an habit to read a chapter of uh, some books currently I'm reading uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad so yeah. I make sure that I read that one yeah, that's mm. what I do when I wake up in the morning yeah, first okay. thing uh, if you were to have a superpower, hmm. any superpower, which one would it be? Hmm. Superpower. To be honest, if I had a, a superpower now, it would be on how to use it to reduce tax. Reduce <laughs> tax or get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't run away from tax. I don't think any, even Superman can run away from tax. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, I think that's because that's a great concern for me. So, if I mm. had any superpower, yeah, I'll, I'll find a way. Give them an alternative, you know. Yeah. Uh, there should be an alternative. Yeah. yeah. Just do you to think outside of the box. Do you know the movie Armageddon? Yeah. Yeah. I remember <laughs> one of the requests there before they leave, they're like, I'll never pay taxes again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, the other time that, you know, some things don't make sense until you start to feel the pains. You know, mm. you talk to people about issues like tax, like you don't feel it yet until you are there. Then you are like, oh, this thing is for real. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chicken licking or KFC? KFC. KFC. Yeah. Ah, you're much wrong with you. <laughs> KFC. Of course, you gave me those two options. Otherwise, yeah. uh, Burger King. Burger King. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> First time I had Burger King was like a month ago. 
Yeah, the fries are amazing. Yeah, nice the fries are pretty that, good. That one's really good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, last one. If you were to have the ability to teleport, would you go to the future or the past? And what would you do? What would what what is the one thing you'd want to see the most? I'll go to the past to be mm-hmm. honest, because the past is what determines the future. Mm. So if you are going to the future, you are just going to be reactive. You know, it's like you get there, you are just like, oh, this is what I get. But if you go to the past, you have the benefit of at least witnessing now. So with your knowledge of now, you can go back to the past. Of course, some people can argue that with your knowledge of now, you can go to the future. But uh, the future is not that uh, deterministic. Yeah. There are so many things that can happen. You know, mm. uh, uh, 15 years ago, you know, people were carrying phones that looked like uh, walkie-talkie, mm. you know, now mm. we talk about, and now it's, you know, uh, I, I just did a, a, a watches and yeah, yeah. We, people don't wear wristwatches anymore, mm. you know, I just did a research uh, with my students and uh, I was amazed, you know, I was asking them about, people don't use desktops anymore, put it, put it plainly, people don't use desktops anymore, even tablet, not so much, smartphones are becoming the go-to now, it's the only thing that people use, and some things are fizzling out, like, uh, People don't talk about Skype. People don't talk about you no know, Viber. You know, there are some things that are just going into extinct. So, mm. so if I had the opportunity to go back in time, I'll see a way to reprogram where we are right now. So yeah, I rather and to, to be honest, because people are so fixated on the future now, there's a wealth of knowledge in the past. Because uh, it's the foundation. Yes, yeah, the foundation. Yeah. There are some. Uh, I, was, uh, I, I was listening to another. YouTube video and uh, they were asking that they asked that, that there's this guy uh, uh, ET there's this motivational Eric speaker Thomas. Eric Thomas no he's got a PhD too and, mm. you know, uh, his story is very uh, very inspiring you know? so he said he was listening to Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett said when he wakes up he reads a lot and he pages. reads all the way he reads from the past because to him he said that uh, what is happening now has already happened in the past. Yeah. So there's a wealth of knowledge for people to go and tap into in the past. And you'll be amazed when you dig into the past and you bring it to the future, people will clap for you that you are very creative. <laughs> Nobody cares about what's going on in yeah. the past. <laughs> it's always pre, it's, it's predetermined. Yeah. So that's... And I, I would also go to the past, but I would want to go to, or at least see the construction of the pyramids. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's another thing you asked me. Yeah. Uh, what would I like to see if I go back to the, to the, to the, to the past? Mm. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, what else would I have loved to see? Noah's Ark. I want to see how. Yeah, I see the design. I like that one. Yeah, that I want to see the design. I just completed, I just uh, did a lecture not too long ago, and uh, we were talking about project management knowledge uh, mm. from the Noah's Ark, you know. Imagine yourself back then, and someone told you that okay, that there was going to be a flood, and that you needed to construct an ark that was going to take the entire human population. That was the design. Mm. How do you start? Mm. That's I, <laughs> you know. That's the goal. <laughs> Survive forty days of yeah. rain, yeah. night and that, day. That was the brief. The, the brief was everybody was supposed to be on board. Mm. It wasn't supposed to be designed for some few people. Mm. It was supposed to be designed for everybody. Yeah. So imagine that. How do you convince people out of such? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I've been asked to design an hug that was going to take everybody. First, they would think you are not. Then, secondly, and then uh, there was going to be a great flood. 
for how many days? 40 days. Then what do we need to do? No. So that one, when I looked at it, I know for him to be able to persist despite all the ridicules that he had, mm, to, he mm. had to endure. So that was, so yeah, I, I think I learned that, uh, that yeah. PJ Mind lesson from, yeah, from the Noah's Hawk. Yeah. yeah. And there was another one, so just to sidetrack now, you know, you know, but we also need to be mindful of the context, you know. Mm-hmm. Someone was telling me that, uh, imagine if it was now, you remember the story of, uh, 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 what's the name of this guy? The one that was in the belly of the fish for three days. Uh, is it Moses? It wasn't was Moses. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're okay they're, they're yeah, but style. I know. Yeah. So, imagine disappearing for three days in our context now. Yeah. And then you come back. <laughs> Jonah. 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 <laughs> Jonah. Yeah. Jonah. So, Jonah. Yeah. so, imagine in our context now, you disappeared for three days. Nobody saw you. Mm. And then you came back on the fourth day and they asked you, hey, since where, you, where you were you? So I was in the belly of the fish. <laughs> you remember like, what the heck are what you doing? Right? Must have been warm though, Because eh? yeah. it was in a whale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was in the whale. So yeah. I was just like, so, so when you put contents to some things, now you just like, why? Yeah. People can't even believe it. Yeah. And uh, another one that I can have just before I know we are wrapping up now to mm-hmm. to address some concerns out there. You know, I told you I just. I'm, I'm currently working on a study now, and uh, it's amazing and it's profound what I'm what I'm picking up here. You know, so we I asked my candidate about uh, what do you feel about some skills and competencies still being relevant during the fourth industrial revolution, which is where we are right now. Mm-hmm. So the, I'm just going to focus on the top seven that the, the candidate okay. felt these skills will still be relevant, technology mm. or not. So the the number one on the list is analytical thinking and innovation. Yeah. Second is technology design and programming. Mm-hmm. Third is uh, technology installation and maintenance. In fact, there's a tie. Then there's another one, technology selection, monitoring and control. Fifth is uh, active learning and learning strategies. Sixth is complex problem solving. Seventh is creativity, originality and initiative. These are skills that will still be relevant even in the fourth industrial revolution. Then I now ask them on the flip side, these skills, how how much do they think these skills will be will be replaced by machine? You know, so so the skills, uh, this the number one skill that people felt it can be replaced by machine is uh, leadership and social influence. Leadership and social influence. Of course, this is based on the research. Secondly, is uh, uh, second is uh, persuasion and negotiation. Third is um, uh, third is uh, let me see. Third is creativity, originality, and initiative. Fourth is emotional intelligence. Fifth is uh, uh, management of personnel. Sixth, I'm just going to seven. Mm. Sixth is. Um, visual, auditory, and speech abilities. Seventh is analytical thinking and innovation. So what's the, what's, the, what's the preliminary conclusion from this is, to be honest, robots are not taking our jobs. When it comes to what we call the client facing, when we, come, when we talk about the human touch, technology cannot, cannot yeah. replace us. So my, my, my advice to, to listeners how they is to, 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 to take a step back, not dread technology, but rather, has the question of 
how can technology enable them to do what they are doing currently yeah. better work with technology yeah. it understand. is not it is not man versus machine yeah. it yeah. is man plus machine mm. and man comes first yeah yeah you have to be smart about that right yeah i think um arithmetic and creativity because that's i mean we haven't been able to um create a robot that is creative uh, i don't see a robot creating another yeah, robot yeah, yeah. Uh, arithmetic maybe that can be replaced mm-hmm. yeah but yeah most of those most of those uh uh things that were mentioned there are intrinsic in in us as human beings it it it's comes net not that it comes naturally but it's it's difficult for one to replicate it in a different form mm. you know you can't you can't now tell your phone to now be creative you can only instruct it to do something yeah. for you but now to for it to go against you if you want to charge your phone and it stops charging then yeah. you should probably throw that phone away yeah. burn it or something but um yeah i, I don't I, I i agree and on the flip okay. side on the flip side what they felt would be replaced by machine mm-hmm. is coordination and time management. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> they need to. My my time management is shocking. My so, time management is is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So to be honest, if you find and that's why we have uh, things like Siri, yeah. Alexa, you know, mm. it's, it's just to help you with time management. Uh, mm. Instruct Siri. Siri, call my mom at ten o'clock. Mm. You don't have to think. You don't have to think about remembering. Mm. Siri will automatically call your mom at ten pm. So I Definitely. also agree. I also agree with that. Definitely. One. Yeah. All right. So the whole point or the reason why I started this podcast was, okay, I have many reasons, but one of them was I want to actually sit down one day with the president. Hmm. I don't know if he's going to be the president once this message gets to him, but I want to sit down. I want to have a chat. I have a lot of questions. I'm still learning, and I'd like to learn from him as well. So I've, uh, I'm going to. Um, form a compilation of everyone that's been on this uh, podcast. They're going to be telling Cyril Ramaphosa to please come on the show. So everyone, before the podcast ends, everyone just delivers their message. They tell him to please come on the back and forth podcast. So in your words, could you please just tell the president, hey man, chop uh, it up. Okay, uh, Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, firstly, let me congratulate you for South Africa's win today in hey, the rugby, hey. rugby World Cup. So it's a, it's a good day to, to, to discuss this. So while we are, we, are, we are in that spirit of celebration, and, and I know you are, you are fond of uh, South Africans yourself, you are fond of uh, emerging entrepreneurs, you are fond of youth that really want to cause a change in the south africa and beyond as a whole so uh, my request to you is that uh, please uh, let's support uh Cesare kosa on this program i look forward to the day uh, you will probably have to come to your office to have some discussion <laughs> with you and i'm very sure you have a lot of questions to ask him yourself so it's a, the program is back and forth so it's also an opportunity for you to ask him some questions why he also ask you some questions and i really look forward to that day myself thanks your excellency thank you so that's the show man that's a wrap all right yomi thank you so much i appreciate your time i appreciate your knowledge and your insightfulness all right pleasure thank you